how do we still improve? How do we feel like we're improving? How do we, you know, just what can we do to adjust? Improving cardio, flexibility, improving your diet. You wonder why he's so good. Those are so important and you don't need to leave your house to do that. It's all about technique. It's all about discipline. The whole point of jujitsu is being able to adapt. All right, guys. Uh, so today's episode is I wanted to focus on the difference between jiu-jitsu nowadays versus what it was back in the day. You know, I was talking to Daniel uh, about this the other day and I was just talking how it was different. And he's like, how so? And I said, oh, man, it was so much more savage back in the day. And <laughs> I don't I don't know if savage is the correct word, but like uh, uh it was different. That's for sure. And I, I have unique experience. So I started in SoCal and I trained in Brazil. So I've got some experience. And then um, today we wanted to bring on Edsel. He's been doing jujitsu for, I don't know, I think as long as I have. Yeah, and about 15 years. 15. Okay. Then around the same amount of time. Right. So, um, you know, the, the, we came from Bay Area and SoCal, and those are pretty much the, the spark of jiu-jitsu in America. So we wanted to just walk down memory lane, and if you have any questions coming from your situation, because how you're coming up in jiu-jitsu right now, Daniel, it's going to be so different from how we came up, and uh, you know, there's so many general changes, so I would love to just delve into this topic, have Edsel come in. He's got so much experience, uh, similar, but very different at, at, in a lot of different ways, so um, that's what I want to do. So this is, uh, I just want to welcome Edsel to the podcast. First guest of our podcast. Uh, he, yeah. And uh, he's a, he's a brown belt that trains with us. And he's also the teacher at uh, uh, BAME Jiu-Jitsu here in Fremont. And one of the things I really appreciate about Edsel is that he brings on uh, a, a truckload of experience when he steps on the mat. And um, when I'm talking about experience, I'm not talking about uh, a particular type of experience. I'm, I'm being it's like a big category of things that accumulate to the stuff that Edsel has been through that I've been through. So um, I have a lot of confidence when he's on that mat, you know what I mean? So I just want to welcome you Edsel, you know, and uh, would love to like talk about this stuff. Anything you want to say right off the bat? Uh, no, just thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. We appreciate it. Now, remember I'm just a guest, not a special guest. Like Dan said. When we were, <laughs> we were <part> of <laughs> okay. So one of the, so I just want to start with, what got you into jiu-jitsu? Like, what was it? Because uh, I mentioned in other podcasts was I got into jiu-jitsu because I was, I was the, uh, I'll paint the picture. Think about uh, early 2000s. I'm talking like 2001, 2002, where I'm the only Asian kid in Compton. Okay. And I, I went to a few different schools and, uh, but majority of my neighborhood was Mexican. You know what I mean? Uh, and I grew up with that kind of culture. I grew up with that kind of vibe and like, I got in a lot of fights. You know what I mean? Anytime you're different in any place, uh, expect some conflict. You know what I mean? And so I grew up fighting a lot. I don't like fighting. I mean, it's fun to t think about it now, but at the time it was um, a situation where eventually I was like, you know what? I probably need to learn how to fight because uh, I'm not saying I'll beat, all, beat everyone up. I definitely got beat up a lot. And so jujitsu for me was about self-defense first, you know, watching Hoist Gracie in the UFC, and I'm like, I want that. And then I wrestled in high school and I was like, oh shit, grappling's real. And um, it, it was more of like a pragmatic answer to the situation I was in. Obviously, as years go on, things change and my, and what jiu-jitsu is for me changes. You know what I mean? And uh, I talked to Daniel about that. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, like, what was that, 
what was that moment like what was your life like what was what was that spark what you know what I mean? Just tell me that story. I'm curious. Yeah. So, I mean, like for me, um, I'm a pretty small dude. Uh, I was probably the smallest kid uh, throughout almost I, it, one of the smallest kids. I would say at least bottom three when it came to size uh, all through elementary school. Um, and uh, anyways, uh, I started doing martial arts. I've been a, a lifelong martial artist. It's, it's funny. I was just thinking about it um, not that long ago about I've been doing martial arts longer than anything else in my life uh besides maybe video games right that's, that's uh, but, truth that's our yeah, truth right there yeah um i i started doing martial arts when i was seven years old um you know doing karate and stuff like that um and uh but for me the, the turning point you know i did a lot of different things so you know just kind of give you a little rundown like i did you know taekwondo i did karate i did kajikembo i did uh, different types of kung fus i wrestled in high school as well um, learn Muay Thai and boxing from friends uh, in garages and stuff like that. Uh, and then at the time I was, um, it was, let's see, it was about 2005, 2004, uh, I was training Kajikembo uh, with a group of guys in uh, Newark, California. And we all, we all decided we were going to watch the UFC together. And it was uh, Chuck Liddell versus Jeremy Horn, and I remember it very clearly. It's like a, oh. to, to me, it's like a, it's like a, a weird epiphany that I had, and <laughs> you know, like you know, we had heard, I, you know, I had watched the older UFCs. We'd all seen Hoist Gracie. We've all seen, you know, all these different, you know, even like Gracie in action or Jiu Jitsu in action. I forgot what those old uh, videos were. Yeah, um, yeah. But we used to watch those things and and all these other weird pay per views like. Uh, you know, full contact Muay Thai uh, fights and stuff like that. But it was like, it was almost like that was one thing and, and I'm, I'm something different. You know what I mean? I, I don't know why, but I felt like those two worlds were separate. And then, so I'm watching Chuck Liddell versus Jeremy Horn with all these Kaji Campbell guys around me. I remember sitting right on the couch and I'm watching the fight and I could hear all of the, you know, the, the was it the, cou the quarterback couches or the couch quarterbacks, whatever they call it. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I know what you're talking about. Everyone's going, oh, he should be doing this. Oh, he, he should be doing that. Oh, I would have done this. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, we, we're all, we all do it, right? We're all, we still do it, even to this day. But something clicked in me where I'm watching it and I'm kind of going, man, these guys on the, on the TV are paid professional fighters. The guys around me are what I would consider, you know, black belt or expert martial artists. I'm going, well, there's something, there's a disconnect. Either the guys on TV are just, you know, paid paid brawlers and they don't really know what high quality fighting is, or the guys that I'm with are missing something. They're mm. missing an element of what a real fight is. Um, and so, at, you know, and at that moment, I, I just said, well, I guess I have to fight. I have, I mean, I have to know. I've been doing martial arts since I was seven years old. And at the time I was like mid twenties, I'm like, I guess I just have to go find a place. And uh, oddly enough, um, that place was uh, over at One World. I had signed up for One World, I think about three to six months after they opened up uh, under Mike Prudencio. I mean, One World has a huge uh, jiu-jitsu, you know, they're, they're, they're a big jiu-jitsu team now under Gorilla um, Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, I started over there. And so I think... I, I want to say I had my first fight when it was either 2005, 2006, like maybe six months of training. <laughs> you oh, know what wow. I mean? Okay. So you know? like, so yeah. you started, you would say you started around like, you said 2005, possibly 2005. like around that. Yeah, 2005 that's for a, sure. It's so funny because that's like around when I started. I think I started like 2004 or something like that because um, 
you said you were in your 20s. I was like, I was in high school because then, um, you know, I got in trouble. And I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I went, I, was, I got in mad trouble because the fights and stuff. So like, I just grew up hating bullies. You know what I mean? And then so um, I wrestled and I was like, oh, shit, I could beat people up with double leg. And then like, I didn't know what neon belly or mount was. I just knew like, oh, if I'm on top, I'm good. And if right. I'm on bottom, not good. And but the main thing was, I didn't want to be on my feet. You know what I mean? And then so it naturally was like, you go to high school parties and then like, you know, someone would dust off this VHS or whatever, and probably not that many years old, but it was like hidden, you know what I mean? And they would watch, they would play. And you're right. It's so funny because I remember the first fight that I watched was like, I need that jujitsu. You know what I mean? But I don't remember the first MMA fight. You know, I remember it was Hoist Gracie and all this other shit. But my first fight, it's so funny because I wrote down a, a note. It's like, what, do you remember your first fight? And I was like, the first fight that got me interested in jiu-jitsu was Fedor versus Fujita in Pride. You know, I think we met, we talked about it before. I don't Daniel, are you familiar with that fight? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, like it's, first of all, I'm seeing grimy-ass VHS uh, UFC. It's all dark and dingy. I'm like, what basement <laughs> is this at? And then I go to Pride and like it's well-lit, mats are white. They had these blue gloves, and I was like, yo, this looks like a real thing. And then Fedor in that fight obviously gets, like, dropped, wobbly, and then Fujita's going in, big-ass Asian dude, and then Fedor just whoop, whoop, takes it back, rear naked choke, puts the hooks in, they fall back, finish the fight. I'm like, what is that? Because I got I, – I was, I was sort of prepared to understand what's going on. Go to the ground. I get that. But I was like, what is that move where the dude was – like saying uncle essentially and i was like rear naked choke. what's a rear naked choke and then um i grew up in an area where like it's right next to torrance and so like gracie academy was right there the origin of it all and obviously because of that there's a lot of schools around it not a lot but there were schools available for me to like check out and that's when i first started doing jiu-jitsu that shit crazy um okay so uh daniel do you i want to ask you the same thing like did you what, where does fighting fit in your life as far as like, oh, I'm just a fan of it or like, you know what, you're right. Like there is a part of me that thinks self-defense is something to prioritize. Like what, how does that fit with you? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that, that wasn't nearly as present in my life as it was yours. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't go to school worrying about whether or not I was going to, you know, get into a fight. Um, you know, I, I've definitely been in altercations throughout yeah. the years, but but ultimately, like what what led me to jujitsu, martial. Let's start with martial arts. Like, there's always been that appeal of understanding the art behind it and and understanding the actual skill. Yeah. Because um, there's a, I mean, anyone, you'd have to be crazy to to look at any martial art and say there's there's actual skill and technique involved in, in learning that you can't just go in and do it um you know it requires practice and discipline you and i've talked about this before but yeah. jujitsu specifically i mean it it was interesting because throughout the years you know you see these other these other forms of martial arts you know muay thai i know that's all you mentioned uh, mentioned um kaiju kempo yeah like there's they're 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 very flashy and very effective uh, jiu-jitsu in my opinion is a little bit less so of, like on the flash but it's so effective yeah. um and i think that's you know that's that's really a huge appeal or was for me after sort of getting into it later in life i didn't start jiu-jitsu until this year and 
right. 30, 32 now. Um, so I think coming into it later in life, you can sort of appreciate the, the substance behind, uh, you know, what you're doing. And that's sort of what led me to jujitsu. I think I just did the most research on it and I felt like it was yeah. something that, that I could, I could practice, uh, late on in life. Like I'm not, I'm not the most flexible dude in the world. I'm not the most fit dude in the world, but like, you know, I can, I can certainly, I can I can grapple, right? At least I think I yeah. can. Yeah, I can that's learn. What's, that's what's cool about jiu-jitsu is like there's so many like you don't have to have our background or like our focus. Like I would say for for uh, for uh, uh, for me, it was like I was looking for an answer to a problem that I was going through, and then uh, and for Edsel, it sounds like it was this is you know I was looking for an answer and he found a solution. You know, similar to me, like I sort of discovered it. Um, and when you're, you know, I tell people all the time when I'm teaching, you know, I can, I've run in the mistake of giving everyone the answers, but unless they have a problem, none of that shit matters. Like if you don't have a problem, none of my shit I'm saying is an answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, for me, it was one of those things that just clicked. Yeah. But here's a question for you, Daniel. And um, I think this goes into the heart of the difference, uh, maybe back then to now, like how the approach is. But it's about mm -hmm. realness. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted a martial art that worked. You, you know what I mean? And like, and, you know, part of the thing that attracted me to the jutsu, and we'll, we'll, we're about to go into it, but like, um, I saw how real it was. Because when I trained, I was training a Brazilian dude from Rio. And that you talk about dudes that grow up in tough environment. Like, there's no, I mean, there's a lot of tough places, you know what I mean? But Rio 100%. de Janeiro, you from, a, you from the hood, or like, you got homies in the hood. Like, it's real, you know? And that's why they like jujitsu because they can go out and make it happen. And as we're about to go into some stories, I'm sure about like the stories we heard, right? Imagine our, the generation before us, how crazier it was, but uh, how much of it of jujitsu is you're attracted to the fact that there is sort of, I don't want to say legitimacy, but there's like this realness to it where it's like, yeah, not a lot of flash, but there's, you know, what you're going to learn is effective. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's a really good question. And, I would say the majority of priority in my mind is the fact that it is so effective. Yeah. Um, even, and I will say this, even after just the, the couple of months that, that I was, you know, that we were open and um, you know, we were able to, to spar every single sparring session. I felt like I walked out of there a little bit more confident and a little less, you know, if somebody were to come up to me and actually like try something, that I, I would feel less, uh, less anxious, um, engaging. So that to me was, was invaluable. Like just the confidence that it builds so quickly. Yeah. Um, because you're, I mean, <laughs> this is funny. The first time that I actually showed up, I was sparring with Etzel that night. Uh, oh. <laughs> and this motherfucker put me in a goddamn deep blood choke. Uh, my first sparring session. And I like, I'll never forget that, that feeling. I was like, Oh man, I'm, I can't believe I'm about to spar with a Brown belt on my first day. Like, I hope this goes okay. And I ended up like, I was going maximum effort, like full strength. Yeah. And Edsel comes along just like, like it was nothing just yeah. comes over and just puts me in a deep blood choke with my gi. And I'm just like, Oh my God. I got to learn how to do this. Dude, I got to stick with it, this. 
dude, this is this is you hit the nail on the head on what's <laughs> what's been. I would say things change over time, but there's certain things that remain, and it's realness and the way that we we show to, we show realness in the. That's why people with like interesting jitsu all have that component in their head. Like, I want something that's real. I mean, like, I want something that's relevant. You know what I mean? Like, I can yeah. do all these martial arts, but why did they track the jitsu over a lot of other ones? Because there's there's a bit of practicality in their brain, and part of that is to sort of show them that yeah, you're you made a right decision and. One of the things we do is like one of the things I learned early was show them what show them what they're what they're testing out. You know what I mean? Like if you're test driving mm-hmm. a car and but you can never test drive it, like what 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 is that? You know? So I would say what remained was the realness of skill, right? And then so there's a difference. Like you can achieve a level where you know Edsel could be playing playing around with you while you're deathmatch, you know, and he's like, ah, oh, it's chill. And then there are people out there that do that to Edsel. Uh, reverse you know and that happens to me it happened there's that's what's crazy about it so um that's what's real now this is where i go into our history now which is you know realness was this was a component like you you know we could say you're shown the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu on the mat through technical application right good attitude all that stuff that's remained but what happened in the past and the reality is something that i want to tell everyone is you might be just because it was in the it's it in the past and most of it has sort of died off by now there are definitely schools that are existing today that are still like rough you know but i would say the way that we showed effectiveness in the past was challenging someone it wasn't and it wasn't oh it's five minute spar session oh etzel's my partner now i'm gonna do five minutes with him and then find the next guy it's that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about like a dude comes in like a hapkido uh a black belt from in the same neighborhood and your gym just opened up and he walks into the door. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like there's a martial arts gym already in this town. And then they're like, well, if you can beat us, like we'll, we'll, you know, we'll leave. If you can't, then good luck to you. And this was the perspective back then. It was a, it was a totally different perspective. You know what I mean? Like imagine going to the hood and just staring at someone for really a little too long. And then you're going to expect some problems. <laughs> this was jujitsu back in the day. Like everyone had was looking for problems because everyone wanted to show that jujitsu was effective. And how do you do that? Well, you know, if you think about the people that started this stuff, Brazilians, Brazilians, they don't play play. They're not, they don't, they don't baby you in general. You know what I mean? Especially different Rio that were savage enough to go across to the U S to, you know, really push this thing, you know, the Machados, the Gracies, the stuff like that. And so I, I felt that firsthand, like um, me coming up, what my instructor would do would someone like that comes in and be like, you don't give him the black belt right away. Like if, you know, my blue belts can fuck you up. You know, that was the, that was the perspective. So at the time, like I actually was his guy. Cause then I was the youngest guy in the class. I was the smallest guy in the class. Cause I started when I was like, I started when I was like 14. Right. And 14, 13, I don't even know. I was young. I was like not even in high school at the time. And he would put me against grown ass dudes. And I would just do, I would focus on the jitsu. And then like, I would, I remember looking up at my coach, like, for real, you're going to make me fight this dude. And then he was like, don't worry, just do it. And then I would do jitsu. And then I would look and I'll be on mounting on him, right? I'll be mounted. And, I, you know, you mentioned uh, it's a, the Gracie, the what, Gracie yeah. challenge videos. Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. But it was like, I remember my hands being open like this because, you know, in the Gracie videos, like, we don't want to strike them. We want to show them jiu-jitsu. So I was like, 
my coach didn't even show me that. And I was like palm striking him to do close up and he would try to turn away and he'd give me his back. And I remember looking up at my coach and be like, damn, this shit works. And then I go in for the kill, right? Go for the rear naked choke. And so, um, and what would happen is the guy couldn't believe it. it. He wasn't sold right away. He's like, oh, you got lucky. Let me try it again. And then you start to realize that, you know, when you're the guy on the other end that just beat his ass and it's, it's and I was being, I was being friendly, you know, I could have, I, I was actually in control the entire time. And I go into what kind of ego does this guy have that he thinks he can just like, look what just happened. Okay, let's do it again. And it, what it did was show us, showed me that how your ego can grow in an environment where it's not really tested. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like I was saying before, Edsel and I, even to this day, we know we can list you a 50 dudes probably just off the top of their heads that can run circles around us, you know, if we ever sparred with them. It's like, it's like laughable. Way so, more, way more than 50, way more. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have the gall to like just walk into an academy by ourselves and be like, hey, what are you guys doing in my town? You know what I mean? Like jujitsu doesn't teach that. It teaches us a skill, but you know enough to know what you know, but you know also enough to know you don't really know shit, you know? And there's like this like unlimited like warp into this like ethereal place where there's just so much good technique and like fight IQ, you know? And so it's almost as like a like, balance of like humbleness and confidence. Oh my right? God. It's so hard to explain. And you're so right because it's like, I know what I'm capable of, but I don't know what you're capable of because I've been, yeah. I've been proven wrong so many times. So there's this really weird, like there's this ego check, but at the same time, this insane amount of confidence that you developed through jujitsu that I needed when I was a kid, you know, Ed. So like you, you were attracted to jitsu because like, I need to prepare for this thing I want to do. And so like, Jiu-jitsu yeah. was the way. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, if you think, if I think about it, like growing up for I went from when I was seven till I'm 24, so well over a decade of doing different martial arts. Um, you know, the the fact of thinking to myself like, did everything I just do was a waste of my waste of my time? Was it like like you're talking about like the realness? Like, was everything yeah. I was doing not real? And yeah. then you have to say, well, the only way that I will know is if you put yourself out in the fire, you know what I mean? Like you have, I was like, I have to have at least, I have to fight once. I have to know, Right. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just one of those things. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. The idea of how, how jujitsu not only, like you said, like diminishes the ego, but then also builds up the ego. It's like a, it's yeah. like a weird fine line. But what we, what we all realize is that I think that's the reason why we want to train with each other so much because it allows us, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend always makes this joke where she's like, I wish that girls had a spreadsheet that every guy they see, they could see who can beat up who, because like guys always have this like bullshit, like, <laughs> oh, I would have done this. Oh, fuck that dude. I'll, you know, kick their ass, whatever. <laughs> but she's like, well, can you really? Like, can you? You know what I mean? And so she's like, I wish I had that. And I think in a lot of ways, like guys, we want that too. But like, we're, like we don't, we don't really want to have to act on it, but we would like to have that knowledge. And I think jujitsu gives us that knowledge to be like, oh no, that, that dude's a, a badass. I'm, I'm not going to fuck with him. I'm, yeah. You know, know what? It's yeah. your, your spot, your spot on because that's what I developed too. I didn't have that before. I didn't know where I stood. You know what I mean? And the reality is everyone should know that there's someone bigger, better, stronger than you at, uh, at any point in time. And that bigger doesn't mean that physically bigger. They're just like, there, there are people with this energy that they carry. And unless you've been exposed to those types of folks, you would never recognize it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like my, one of my best 
like group of homies like one of the homies in there he he's brilliant he was going getting his phd in mathematics at like columbia or something and he gave it all up to join the like special ops teams and stuff like that so he's he went through all that education was always a physical beast and then he just went into spec ops training and so uh that i the type of energy that he has and the type of energy he's surrounding himself with it's so you wouldn't be able to pick up on it unless you like you had some side some type of combat experience or something like that i i don't even realize it, you know but on a day-to-day situation like yeah it's like I, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting. We should have a, we should have an episode about just ego and what it means and stuff like that. That's really cool. Now, when it comes to your experience, so like, did you have, you know, my, my story about uh, how people would come in and then like, there's this bravado almost. Yeah. And uh, like, sort of like you came into my house time to like show you what's up, you know, did you have those experiences at all? Did you have, I call them like gym gym challenges or something like that did you yeah. have any yeah we had we had a lot of weird stuff i mean i think i think both kind of like we were talking about with the fact that um jujitsu kind of kind of exploded in, inside of in you know the so- southern california and then in the bay area yeah um, and then oddly enough in the bay area we, we also had a huge gigantic amount of uh specifically like kaju kembo and other type of like traditional martial arts that were really big in the bay Um, And so there was a lot of, I guess, testing, testing of whether or not, you know, this, you know, pajama ground fighting was legit or not, even, even (laughs) though, even though it was already proven. I mean, the UFC already proved that, but, but again, you know, you had people like myself who had been training for over a decade in, in what a mystical art that, you know, that they saw all the movies um, that it supposedly was supposed to work. And um, so we would get a lot of guys, like you were saying, like we would get like, you know, some random karate guy or Kajigambo guy that would walk in and, you know, you always saw them because they would always kind of like show up a- after class started. It's it's like the people who are legit seem to show up before class starts. Like uh, they want to they show up. They want to like ask the questions. They want to get those things out of the way. The guys that tend to show up like middle of the class. <laughs> Like we're all warming up and you just see these like one guy show up and he just sits down and just looks really intently at what everybody is doing. And you're like, okay, cool. Like hopefully maybe he'll come join the class. And then eventually you start seeing a pattern. What these guys are doing is they're trying to evaluate the quality, right? It's like they're, they're looking at like a dog show to see if they can identify which better breed is better. You know, it's like, you know, we don't, I don't know what they're evaluating, but you know, unless you come on the mat, you can't tell. And I think yeah. that's really what it was, was that these guys, they wanted to test us or they wanted to try us, put us on trial, but they didn't really want to step on the mat. And then, of course, a few of them, luckily, uh, would. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, no, 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 no offense to Daniel, but, you know, they, you know, sometimes you got to choke them and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and that's and, but that's exactly it. You know, I remember another another thing that makes it very different from, I guess, back back then to now is the the way that you treated new people right it was like you know it was a type of hazing before and i mean it still kind of is like you know daniel like i still choke you i wasn't like oh hey you know you know the little baby gloves i have to be really nice to daniel um there's a you know i always say there's uh there's no real polite way of choking somebody right but because you still have to choke them (laughs) yeah and but back then it was it was different it was like you wanted to to introduce somebody to, to, 
to the realness and the and the 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 physicality and the the I guess you would say like basically the violence of what jujitsu is without actually hurting them. Um, yeah. You know, you, and you know, like uh, I remember how how Gracie uh, would say stuff like, like, "Oh yeah, you know, make sure that he doesn't want to come back." And you're like, "Wait a minute! Mm. Like this guy owns a gym. Why would he say make sure that the guy doesn't want to come back?" And then he would say the reason why is because if he doesn't get through one day of you beating him up, then he he was never gonna make it anyway. Dude, you, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head as far as the perspective, right? And then like just give you context, like Hal Gracie is legend, Bay Area legend, you know what I mean? And but he was also famous for being really tough, you know what I mean? Still tough, like still tough. <laughs> I you know I I trained at Hal Gracie Berkeley when I was in college and. Um, I saw how tough those guys were there. There's no joke, you know, and I got to say like the toughness and uh, the roughness of back then is like, it's less prevalent now. But like I said, depending on the gym you walk into, like it might be different. Like it might be OG or it might be really new school, you know, but so we're just talking about timeline in general, but there's always these exceptions. Right. But yeah, you, you nailed it on the head. Like, you know, the perspective of my coach was like, uh, yeah, he was, he was a business owner and he wanted to grow his gym. And so it wasn't as rough, but, um, uh, dude, if someone came in and had any type of like, let me, let me check this out. Or like, they were like judging the quality of the gym or like, they're judging like what this was or whatever. He would be like, he would like, he would do this like little look at me. Like just, yeah. I call it the green light. Like he never talked to me about it or anything. He was just like, yeah you know you know what to do fuck it you know what I mean? and right, then right. um he would be super nice and let them in and train and then, but we all knew he was the guy walking in could either be a crazy person or had some other martial arts experience and wanted to challenge someone but you know you never can you never know you know and so like i've had those situations too and you know coming from uh, the socal area we had another famous, you know, we had Hicks and Gracie have a gym in like Santa Monica area or something like Crone owns it now. Um, and I trained there a few times and um, uh, Hickson, there was, a, um, and I had some students that were former Hickson students train with us at our academy. And I got firsthand knowledge that like, you know, back in the day, Hickson didn't want you to join unless you were really, really tough. Like he was like, if I'm going to teach you, you're going to represent me. If you're going to represent me, you guys be as tough as I am. And at the time Hickson was fighting in pride. Hickson was fighting like, like everywhere. You know what I mean? He was like top of the top, like MMA fighter. And so what ended up happening was um, the majority of the, the guys that were joining gyms at that time were like thugs. Like they want, they were like, bullies or whatever and they want to learn how to be bigger better, bigger better bullies essentially right this wasn't it wasn't the common thing but it was a thing for sure and so like when you go to just a tournament and i'm sure edsel can speak to this like when you walk in a tournament and you saw certain people with certain types of t-shirts on you'd be like oh shit don't even talk shit don't even you know what i mean like like stick to your team because back in the day like if you said something or whatever like there might be straight up fights in the in the stands you know what i mean and like this is the perspective that was, that was different back in the day. And like the half Gracie is the leader of that. I feel like he's so strong in his mind to, to be so like, like he had a, he had a, he had a very clear, if you're not going to fight, you're not going to get black belt. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And in SoCal, that was definitely the case too. It was like, it wasn't that rough, but like it was, everyone was out to prove themselves, you know, and that's the difference, you know, 
the difference between then and now on that in this particular subject is, you know, we don't we don't prove ourselves through intimidation or outworking everyone. I remember when I used to go to gyms when I like just I remember first time like just visiting a school because I was in a different town for the day or whatever. Like their whole thing was, we will show you how good our school is by making sure that you don't make it out of this class. You know what I mean? Like that's how we're gonna show you how good our class is. Nowadays, it's like, we're going to show you how good our class is by showing you, uh, giving you technical instruction and being really friendly and uh, showing us, showing the family vibe and like treating you like family, even if we don't know you and like stuff like that. It's so different, but the, but the, but the premise is the same. We want to show you how effective this is, but that's a perfect example of the, how different it is nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got a question for both of you, actually. What do you think was the catalyst that that changed that? Like, there's clearly a difference between the two time periods and the two perspectives, but like, what changed that exactly? Oh, why did it change? I I, I think we know. (laughs) Well, I I believe it's, I believe it's, I believe it's a couple things. I believe it's multifaceted. It's not just one. Uh, Of course, you know, just like anything, uh, uh, everything's a business. Everything comes from money. Um, and so I think initially, uh, once people started seeing real money, like continuous, like not necessarily like wealth or anything, but like just like a steady paycheck, I think they started realizing that, um, that they didn't have to be as like, kind of like how Denny was saying, like, you don't have to rule through intimidation. You don't have to rule, uh, everybody on the mat. You have to, you know, you can be a a friend and a mentor, um, and, and help them grow physically uh, through jujitsu without having to actually have a, a very, I guess, physically domineering environment. Um, and then also the other thing is, is the popularity of UFC. I think the popularity of UFC made it so that more people wanted to train. It wasn't just, you know, uh, the, the lifetime martial artists. It wasn't just the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the homie on the street who is trying to make a buck because, uh, he, you know, he, he can't do anything else besides, you know, maybe he could throw good blows or he could take a shot. So he's like, Hey, you know, maybe I'll try this whole fighting thing. You know, it's just kind of like how a lot of people in, in low income areas kind of make their way uh, to, you know, to make money, right. They, they use their bodies and their physicality. Um, and I think once the UFC started getting popular as a sport, um, people started seeing jujitsu in a different, in a different way. Um, and then I think Daniel, you're one of the, the newest types uh you know in my opinion like the newer newest breed of jujitsu people uh and that is going to be the 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 i guess you would say the intellectual or professional who seems to have either heard it through a podcast or uh seen it in a movie or whatever it may have been um and is seeing it now from a different point of view where they're like oh this is a high level problem solving oh this is this is a lot about how to deal with uh stress or coping um uh, you know, altercation and disagreements, right? I mean, it, it, our whole world is now filled with disagreements and, and jujitsu puts it on a real level for, for us uh, to allow us to deal with differences and altercations and violence towards each other, but in a weird, controlled, nice way. Yeah, dude, I, you, you put it great. You know, I will, I'll add a couple other components to that. Like, I completely agree with you. I'd so like, um, yeah, sometimes it's just demanded by the market to like ease up, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, th- there are different types of people that 
you know, as the, the martial arts are trying to grow, they're trying to attract different types of people. And so it makes sense that as the, as the gym, as the community grows, as more instructors are out there, as they, they have their own way of doing things, you know, and as a whole, at a macro level, there's a pattern where it's becoming more about the art and less about the pride. You know what I'm saying? Like less about the ego. And so um, I honestly, I think that the biggest difference for me is it's just a generational thing. And he, and uh, Edsel mentioned the breed, like there's a different breed of people nowadays. And like the new students coming in there are expecting different things. They have a different image of jiu-jitsu. And think about the people that in the late nineties, if you heard about jiu-jitsu is because you heard like, this is some badass, like, like I'm about to be, you're going to learn to mess someone up. Like that was the, that was the thing people heard. And so it attracted a certain type of people. Right. And mm. it doesn't, it, 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 and it's exacerbated by Brazilians who are really tough dudes. Like I lived in Brazil and like, it was, it was, and my instructor, I, I was like, I see my instructor everywhere. dude. <laughs> like, you know, you know, men were men and women are women. And like, um, you know, that statement, it's like in Brazil, they take pride in that over here in different areas, you know, it's, it's, it's seen differently like and i'm cool with it like i'm american first so i what i do is i sit back and like look at what the what the the, the way the waves are moving and i and i adopt adapt to it right and the, the main thing was back in the day it was just you know in in brazil if you're a savage dude there's only one way to solve problems you know what i'm saying and, and, and that'll make sense um but when you're over here you know we have lawsuits we have you know shit like that like back in the day, early 2000s, like it wasn't as prevalent, but like there was, there was a need for this to not continue. And like, I'm, like I said, certain schools, it will continue forever. Like, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is that there are students that came up as Americans learning this in this environment, me in particular, like I can speak for myself that I was one of those guys who were like, I like this, I like this, I like this. And it's like, but I don't agree with that. I don't agree with why you're doing it that way. Like, do you have to do it that way? Like, why, why are you, you know what I mean? I, I came up questioning everything. And like, um, this is why I, I, I'm fortunate enough to teach in a way where I want to now because I have my own school, right? And I will never, ever have someone off the street walk into the gym saying they want to just try. And then I, and I, and if I get any inkling that this guy's a little bit crazy or looking to hurt someone, I will never put one of my students up against him. I won't even let them, I was like, you and me, let's go. You know what I mean? Like I'm in a position where like I can do that, but I really like the direction that um, the jiu-jitsu community and everything's like approaching jiu-jitsu nowadays, being more technical, being more philosophical, being more precise in how they instruct. Like think about this. Would we all agree that there's more fluent English speakers teaching jiu-jitsu now than 10 years ago? Oh, like, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, like, I can say that. <laughs> and, and because, you know, there's stories back in the day about holding back technique. Like, we can get into that. But, um, you know, I point to Keenan Cornelius as a guy who's, like, super, like, he looks at it in different ways and he explains it in a very technical way. Like, Ryan Hall does the same way. And, um, you know, I had – I learned more through that approach just watching one DVD or whatever. I'm like, okay, I like this more than – okay, guys, uh, step one, two, three. Okay. You're going to do like 50 of these and we're just going to spar. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Some people love that. I don't. And so, um, that's the major change. Like I can say like what Edsel and I are doing as people who teach, who love to teach, we teach in a very different way than the way, um, I know I was taught, you know, being taught directly from a guy from Brazil. Like it was very different. And so, uh, 
and I and I like that. And I think as people like us, like our generation, looking back on how crazy it was to now, we're we're a little bit better equipped at knowing what worked and what didn't, and then moving that forward. Versus a generation before us, they were like, "This is how it's done, and this is how I'm going to do it." Whereas Edsel and I, we, we're I think we're better at like, uh, I like this, I didn't like this. This is the reasons why, and this is what we're going to do. Also, if you have any ideas that are better than mine, go for it. No ego, let's go. You know, so. Um, I think those are the main differences in how it was really a generational thing. It took like eight, nine, 10 years for things to change the way they are to today, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember I was listening to uh, a podcast with Coiler Gracie on it. And uh, Coiler was saying that when him and his dad first came to the U.S. and opened up their gyms, um, they were kind of, you know, teaching everybody kind of like the old school way where, you know, they were yelling at everybody and, and belittling people and getting upset when people couldn't ha- handle the, uh, the, the beat downs or the, you know, the exercises, whatever it may be. Um, and then Coiler said that, you know, I think it, it, for him, he said it stemmed from the mentality that almost all system is a systematic thing in Brazil, where even in the elementary schools, you know, the teacher taught, and if the kids didn't keep up, the kids didn't keep up. Like, it's uh, up to the individual to keep up with the instruction, not the, not the other way around where we have to make sure that, you know, it's like that no, lift, no kid left behind type of mentality that uh, certain, you know, places tend to have. Um, and I'm not saying there's one way or right way or wrong way. Um, and then when Coiler said that when he first opened up his own school, he kind of was still doing that. And he started realizing that there was a better way of doing it. There was a different approach. Uh, that would work better, not just specifically maybe for Americans. He said it was for Americans, um, for uh, his American students, but maybe just in general that they, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's uh, like what J- Denny was talking about, about doing it the way that we feel is best. Um, I think it's just one of those things where it's like kind of just taking the time to look at what works in other systems and in other uh, environments and not just jujitsu and saying, well, what, what, how did these people work? Like, let's say if it was basketball, if it was baseball, if it was, I know you guys have done culinary, if it was a culinary school, um, there's always going to be an authoritarian situation, um, but possibly it could be uh, perceived or, or positioned in a different way. Um, and I think that's just kind of uh, the, the idea that, that, that Coiler was talking about, was that if we can package it differently, it's not going to necessarily degrade or water down the jujitsu. Um, it could just be perceived or, or, you know, positioned in a different way that's better. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting concept of, like, watering down jujitsu. Like, uh, this was, this is always something that's relevant to everyone from the beginning, you know what I mean? Because if you look at most martial arts that's been around for a really long time, the people who started it and the people that are practicing it today, it's going to be, it's going to look different no matter what, you know what I mean? And so like me, like the new generation of instructors and there's guys that are just really running with it about how, how to effectively approach teaching. But you know, my way of doing it is like, I pick and choose, like, you know, like I said, I like that. I don't like that. When I say I don't like that, I'm saying it doesn't really, it doesn't, I can drop it and not water the sport down because I love the sport so much. I want it to be as effective I want it to be more effective. I want us to make it more and more effective, not the other way where a lot of traditional martial arts, it's almost to the point where like Taekwondo, like you can't, you can't punch a dude in the face in Taekwondo. You're not allowed to do that. And it's like, I don't think that was, I can't believe that that was a thing. Like maybe there was some historical context, but like you can't punch a dude in the face. Like for instance, like in, in, I talk about context. So like, you know, just a quick history lesson. 
is jujitsu was, you know, Elio Gracie is the guy who's coined as the guy who founded jujitsu. He was a smaller guy and he was taught jujitsu. So he, he was part of a family in Brazil. They helped a guy from Japan who was instructed to spread judo to the rest of the world. They helped him out because he crashed his ship or something like that. And in exchange, Maeda, he taught the Gracies what judo was, but he didn't call it judo, he called it jiu-jitsu because there was some political issues with it because he was not allowed to teach it to, the, to just anyone, you know? And so the Gracies were really tough guys and Elio was a, like the, the smallest guy of the brothers. And then he used leverage and he used all this to be more technical, right? And birthing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Well, the way that they taught it and it spread the martial art was going up to people and just challenging the fights. That's just what they did. Like they would call out, uh, they would have prizes for people that could beat up a Gracie. You know what I mean? And like this sort of set the pace for something called Gracie challenges that continued way beyond Alien to his sons, to their son's sons, to, you know, I'm sure there's some versions of it going on today. But, you know, when you think about the sport in this context of that, you know, this is how it started, where to go up and challenge someone, like it takes a certain type of series of emotions and personality types and stuff like that. So we're, we're now maturing to the point where we're not doing that anymore. But like, um, but I will say, like, if someone says, you know, your martial arts sucks, I'm going to be like, you're wrong. I mean, if you want to test it, we, we can. I just don't encourage it. You know what I mean? I mean, not nowadays, because it's like, it takes more restraint to not fight someone. And that's, that's the reality. You know, like, I come from a background where you just, you, you stutter step me for some reason. And I'm gonna like, let's, uh, this is an invitation to go. But nowadays, dude, there's so much on the line, you just can't do that. So mm-hmm. the, the trick is to figure out a way to not get into these conversations with the tools that you have. That is what martial art is. Martial artists are, and that's what martial art is to me, where it's like you have a skill. Just because you have a big gun doesn't mean you should be popping the trigger. You know what I mean? So um, that's, that's how I approach it. So you know, I give that history lesson to sort of give you an idea of like why it was like that when we were coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Do you have any questions about like how any other things about how it was or why or anything like that based on what you've uh, before? Yeah, yeah. I guess the the only the last sort of like nagging thought that I have okay. um, is really, you know, do either of you guys can are there like stories of very specific instances that you can recap for like any any of these interesting. Uh, challenge stories that that you've had in your past that you'd be willing to sort of share with the listeners like specific specific instances Danny, I don't, if you want to go ahead and do one I'm, I'm trying to think i mean it's like you know when i think about my experiences it's like yeah i've had fights in the gym definitely like um you know we talked about ego and the reason why ego is such a major topic in jiu-jitsu is because we we wrestle our ego every second we're in that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, especially back then, right? So like where I grew up and where I trained, uh, yeah, you had you had gangster ass Samoans come through. You had we had a lot of Samoans in our shit. We had a lot of cops. We had a lot of Mexican like gangsters and stuff like thug dudes. You know, they might not be officially affiliated, but yeah, they would say stuff like you. Like I had, I'll give you an example, and I and I actually talked about it like recently, which was I had this guy, and he was my age, and uh, uh, like we went to community college together, but like we didn't like go together. Like I just 
I've seen him before around and I've said what up or whatever. And then I find out he trains at the same school I do. And so there was always this like rivalry between us, you know what I'm saying? And so like this story is more about like how ego can flare up and like, uh, and, and how this is why it's important to like handle your ego. But he was a young guy, Mexican dude. Like, I mean, I'm from the hood too. So like we spoke the same language and like we were both a little bit rougher, but the only difference is I did jiu-jitsu longer than he had. You know what I mean? I was a, I was a, he was probably like four stripe white and I was like damn near going on my purple belt. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, at that time I was, you know, as you get better in jiu-jitsu, I can understand the mindset he goes, he's like, fight hard. That's, you know, train hard. Let's get like, if you want to get the most out of your workout, you, you work out hard. Right. And so like, that's his mentality. But at my, at my mentality, I was like totally different headspace. I was like, okay, let me, today I'm going to um, build up my side control top position, right? And I'm going to focus on these underhooks and overhooks and just like move, switching the hips and had a very different mindset as a almost purple, right? And so we're training, it's, it's sparring time, we're going hard, you know, I'm a little dude and I'm on top, you know, I, I love top side control then and now. And I wasn't moving, like I wasn't going to mount I wasn't going to north south. I was just trying to maintain position, building that as a skill in and of itself. He he looked up at me and he was like, uh, "Is that all you're gonna do, bro? Is all you?" So we he started talking shit, right? But like we're we were friendly to each other. Like he's from the hood, we're same age, you know. And I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna stay here. I'm stay here as long as I possibly can, bro. I'm gonna stay." And then we were just going back at it and not knowing that he was fuming, like he was so mad, right? And then he was buck. He started bucking hard big oompas and all i did is put my head down buried into his chest drove the hips and we we're just like, we're like as you walk into the gym there was big mat space and then the changing room in the back and we're like right in the front so when you walk into the gym like there we are sparring right and then i was like that's all you can do bro like that's all you can do like you you, you all you gotta do is get me off and i'm, I'm gonna stay right here and so that that was me being a dickhead right and like ego obviously on my part but what he proceeded to do was started bucking like a fucking horse. You know what I mean? He was just, ah, blah, blah, blah. And then as he was pushing me, I was like elevating. This is what, you know, one of the things I teach in jiu-jitsu class nowadays is when someone does a big oompa when you're in side control, there's an opportunity to go knee on belly. So that's where I actually discovered that because he was bucking me so hard. I, I was like looking over his body and then, um, and I didn't want him to move. And this is where I was like, yo, this is a great opportunity for me to like practice knee on belly. And then so I, did knee on belly on him and one thing you, one thing that happens when you knee on belly someone and they're shrimping and you're good at knee on belly you'll just like walk across the mat right we we get into this altercation by now everyone stopped training they're like what because we're like yelling at each other you know what i mean and like slapping the mat and like we're doing all this crazy shit and we're up against the wall now to the other side of the mat like usually this happens all right let's reset bro whatever but when something like this happens you know I mean, shit happens. And so I got him kinked his neck up against the wall being like, like, I'm at the point where if I let go, he's going to start swinging. So I was like, I'm not letting go. Like, this is what jiu-jitsu is about, like protect myself. And then he starts swinging from the bottom and I'm looking at him and I'm swinging back at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then uh, no one's pulling us off. I look back at my instructor, my instructor, you know, old school mentality. He's like, he was like frothing at the mouth. He was like, yeah, 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 go, go, go. Who's going to win this one? Who's going to win? And then I was like, and I was like, fuck this. And then he got up and then I, and I, you know, wrestled before I did just So I double legged him into the wall and we, and we blew through the wall into the changing room, which was like a closet. You know what I mean? 
And then so there I am, my sh- like, like, it's like we're not in that room, but like we're in that fucking wall. You know what I mean? And then I'm at this point, I'm like, okay, this is enough. My coach is gonna pull me off, right? This is enough. And then it's like, nope. We started swinging, and then I grabbed his lapel, I threw him on the floor. He we're on the floor, we're fucking kicking and shit. And then now the coach comes and is like, all right, guys, chill out. You know, whatever. Next partner, you know. And then um, I fucking put a dent in his wall and everything. And uh, you know, it's, it was just like. He was like, what the fuck's your problem? And I was like, neon belly, bro. Like, you know, you can't do shit. And like, we're, he was holding us <laughs> apart. And I was like, I, I think about it, I'm like 14 from the hood. Like, I was like, you can't do shit, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Try again next time, dude. Like, my neon belly is way better than your. I was just talking so much shit. And um, he never showed back up. Like, he never, I came back the next day hoping we can get round two in. Because, you know, the mentality was like, this shit works. Like, I want to keep doing this. I was stoked about it. He wasn't. He wasn't with it. Like he had his ego got in the way. Um, he couldn't. I maybe he was embarrassed or something. I don't know. But like that story I talked about because there was countless of those. Honestly, like when I was coming up, uh, because maybe because one thing to keep in mind is like this could have been avoided. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to happen. But I'm glad it happened low key because I learned a lot from it. To learn to not do that shit. I learned about ego ego on both sides i learned like how to assess certain scenarios and understand if there's something deeper behind certain things i also learned you know this was an environment where this was uh almost like almost like encouraged because my coach would ask me to like can't like handle people you know what i mean and like to see this it was like oh fuck yeah this is what jiu is about you know what i mean so it, it this story was like encompasses all that stuff we talked about today, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. and it, I walked away like, I don't want that to, to be something encouraged at my school for sure. So like, that's not something I'm with. When someone has an issue, I'm, I will stop them mid, mid roll and be like, yo guys, like, what's up? Like, talk it out. Cause this is not, you know, you need your teammates. Like at the end of the day, I, I lost a teammate that day. You know what I mean? And so I was like, we can't do that because one altercation and but losing your teammate, bro, like that's like a serious L. You know what I mean? Like you can't have yeah. shit like that. So yeah, so that was just that's a, a a specific example. You know what I mean? But like, it worked out. It didn't work out. I mean, you know, he I I noticed that he's like a brown belt nowadays. I'm a black. Like whatever. Like I stuck it out. He didn't. You know, that's the only difference. So um, at least he's still training. I like that, but you know, it didn't have to come to that. You know what I mean? Like, who knows if we didn't get into that situation, he might be a black belt today. So like, think about that guys. Like if you're the one instigating fights and shit, like you don't know the ramifications, you know what I mean? Until like way later. So I don't know. I I, I love talking about it to just talk about, say like, Hey, don't do it. You know? Yeah. For sure. And so you got that's a good story. story. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think anybody in mine went through a wall. I'll tell you that. Um, I would say, I would say for me, like one of the, the, the things that I, I specifically remember, um, I think maybe because I, I, I took something away from it, um, myself was, uh, this guy came into, to one world one day, um, and kind of looked like Josh Barnett, you know what I mean? Like kind of heavy baby face look. I don't know if you know who Josh Barnett is Daniel. Uh, but if mm-hmm. not look him up when you get a chance, he, he kind of looked like that. Um, legend, legend. Yeah. Legend, legendary dude. But this, this guy wasn't legendary. dude. I don't know if he was a wrestler <laughs> Or just like a, just a big, heavy, strong dude. Um, back back then, I was like 160 pounds, 150 something pounds. I was a lot smaller than I am now. And um, I remember we go through class, and, and 
I don't know when he, he showed up, but he, he went through the warm-ups. I remember he was having a hard time because, you know, we, we did a lot of Half Gracie style warm-ups. Our warm-ups were like They're tough. 45 minute long warm ups. So we had we have two hour long classes. The first 45 minutes is warm up. It's it's yeah. Yeah. It's it's not easy. I yeah. remember the dude just drenching sweat. You know, he's a heavier dude, so he had a lot of sweat, but whatever. It, it is what it is. Um and for some odd reason, Mike says, Hey Edsel, go with the new guy. I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. And that was another uh, thing too. What, is that what what belt were you at right now? Like we're all, it's in my first year. It's in my oh, first okay. year. It's like I'm still white belt. I'm still white belt. It's in my first year. And um, that was the other thing, too, is that back in the day, they made everybody roll on your first day of class. Like yeah. Daniel, like you did, but you had like a gi. You came in prepared to come to class. This guy, I don't even, I don't, I think he was, I don't know if he got a loner gi or what. I don't even remember. I was a loner gi from Denny, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, All yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, Make sure you look yeah. good. Yeah, there you no go. No belt, though. No belt. It's all right. It's all right. That's the only reason why I was able to choke you. No belt. You know, it's just, yeah, it was, that's it, the it only reason. It was accessible. Uh, but no, this guy, and so I start rolling with him, and, and instantly he just he just mauls me, he just blankets me, and oh, man. driving his shoulder, driving his elbow in my face. You know, and usually, like right off the bat, right now, if we saw somebody, I know me and Danny, if we saw somebody getting their elbow, like somebody, their, the, the top guy's elbow smashing the dude's face, we'd instantly be like, hey, hey, settle down. Chill, yeah, Chill for real. Out, Like that's, you know, like, like we want to, you know, we want to show physical dominance, but not like that, right? We, we're going to, you know, explain to you how to do it the right way. But anyway, yeah. so this dude's just like, I remember I had a fat lip and the dude outweighed me probably by at least 50 pounds, if mm. maybe a little bit more. He was a real big dude. And uh, eventually, I think he was a wrestler because he exposed his back eventually so like through the whole t tussle of just getting smashed both by his forehead and by his shoulder and by his forearm and elbow i make my way to getting to like that you know that half guard with the underhook i make my way to the back and i get on his back and i remember like i was small enough to fit he was big enough that i could fit all the way on his whole back like a backpack you know what i mean <laughs> and i get i get i get one arm under his chin and now I'm pissed because, like, you know, my face is all beat up. I'm fucking exhausted. I don't know how much time is left on the round. For all I know back then, like, Mike probably just let it roll as long as he wanted it to. Then he'd just tell us to switch. No timer. But I'm sitting there, and I, and I have my, my – I think I have my forearm underneath his chin, and I'm fucking choking. I'm going. I'm going. And, all, and I don't know how much I must have been trying to, like, choke this dude. But Mike literally gets all the way to me, puts his hand on my shoulder – and says Edsel, and I look up at him. He goes, he goes, you're gonna break his neck. And I go, oh shit. I'm like, are you cool, man? And the guy is like sitting there, like neck all cranked up, and I was just wrenching on his neck. You know what I mean? And I was like, you didn't stop him when he was smashing my fucking face in. But I, I guess that's you know just pain versus uh, paralysis. But it's cosmetic, uh, you know. It's cosmetic, exactly. <laughs> so I mean. Yeah, like, I, you know, it's just, that's how heated it would get. You know what I mean? Because they would let, back in the day, they would just let so much happen. You know, nowadays, well, I, we kind of stop it way before it escalates to that level. You and know I mean? would say, and I say that's learned through experience. I mean, like, if you grew up in an environment where that never happened, you won't be able to catch it as soon, right? So, like, again, that, like, I love that story because, you know, I, mine came to full on blows, like going through a wall and shit, but like there were countless times where it was a little too rough and you got to 
grit your teeth and fucking go through it, you know? And, and like, I'm not saying that doesn't exist now. Like, it for, for sure exists, but like, any good coach would see it would they would have stopped it at the point where the elbow is being dug in. You know what right. I mean? Like, exactly. I mean, I I would want to stop it then, but you know, I, this is where as an instructor and a guy who's been through it and I see the benefits of going through a tough time through jujitsu, it's like, you know, there are benefits to not holding someone's hand, right? And then we could all agree to that. So like. Uh, I go back and forth. I'm like, if someone it wants to test themselves and going through a tough role, and I'm, I'm not talking about tough. I'm talking about rough. I'd be like, that's a good lesson. They maybe they're just trying to test this shit out. But like my coach Milton, um, he always says, if you want to test yourself, fucking compete. You know what I mean? And so like that's something I say all the time. Like if they want to make it happen, and I know that they both want to do it. Like these two guys are just rivals or whatever, and they want to go. I'll wait for them to finish, and at the end, I'll talk to them and be like, look, if you want to really see what you're made of, then do it on competition because the other guy's ready for it. But if you're going to do that to someone that's not ready for it, that's not, that's not, that's not fair. That's not, that's not what we're yeah. here for. You know what I'm saying? Like, jiu-jitsu isn't a bully club. It's like, it's the kids that were bullied that wants to not be bullied. That's the perspective that I have about jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu is not meant to make a bully a bigger bully, which in back in the day, that wasn't really the thing. They were just more like, it's effective. You want to learn it and you're willing to go through the shit. You'll learn it. Fuck it. It's a skill. But to me, there's a purpose. And like, I think that's a, that's a difference between how I felt my classes were, and, you know, maybe, you know, and so maybe t- like, you know, I know Mike's a great guy, but like, there's a, there's other schools that, you know, back in the day, they were just like, you know, just, you don't like it. Like you can't keep up and whatever. But nowadays, like if I see someone struggling, I will give them modified technique. I will say, Hey, let's stick with step one. You know, they're at, they're at step two, but let's just hone into step one. Like, it's about making sure everyone walks away improving. And that's what I want. And I don't think that was really the case back in the day. And even today, there's a lot of schools that their priority, their top priorities isn't growth. It's more about just like, let's get through it. Let's train hard. And I was like, the purpose to me of training hard is to grow. And if you're not prioritizing growth, but you're prioritizing hard training, then like, you're going to miss opportunities to grow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You no, know, I, I, I think, I think now I definitely, I, I would definitely say that now Mike wouldn't let that slide. <laughs> back then, back then, you know, he was, I mean, Mike was still a brown belt back then, you know, and, and running his own program, and uh, so you know, it was all new. It was all new, you know, and and everybody there was white belts, so you, yeah. you, know, you had everybody. You just had the blind leading the blind, and and you know, there was nobody there with any, like any control, any finesse, any real technique. It was just. Go as hard as you can, and whoever comes out at the end is going to be stronger. You know, underdog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like for for Daniel, it's tough because it's like I hear, you know, I was a white belt when I and I was being taught by a half Gracie brown belt at like during this time. There's so much context to what Edsel is saying. Like, you know, coming up, I heard stories of uh, half Gracie and the way he he treated his students, the way he held them to a certain standard, the way he tested them the way he would like surprise them and like um, uh, like how hard he was on his guys. Like there's just so much context. There's so many famous stories of him like running over Scotty from OTM and then like um, making his, his putting, uh, putting gloves on BJ Penn and like fighting him in the gym. You know what I mean? Before he, he moved to Brazil. Like there's just so many dope ass Bay area stories. It's so funny. Like in SoCal it's the same, like our stories were uh, dojo storms and Gracie challenges because the the majority of the graces were in Torrance. You know what I mean? And so like 
uh, Daniel, have you have you are you familiar with the what Gracie challenges are or dojo storming is? I mean, outside of what we've been talking about um, and what I've seen limited uh, in a limited scope on like old school documentaries and stuff, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm sure there's a lot that I'm missing. Yeah, I mean, it was very common back in the day. Like you can you can go through a class and like I know for me the we didn't necessarily have dojo storms, but we had people, individual people like coming and challenging us. But like, I mean, I would say maybe a little bit, a few years before my time, it was common as fuck. Like I'm talking like Bruce Lee walking into like the karate dojo and like everyone's got geese on, they're stopping. They're like, what's up? Like, what's up? Like, you know, it was like that back in the day. And you could actually find it on YouTube, like videos of like two, you can totally tell two different groups of people in a gym and they're all making a circle. And they're like, all right, let that dude go, you know. And um, that one is Gracie challenge. Like, you, if the if the if it's grainy footage, there's one guy in a gi and the mats are green. That's a Gracie challenge right there. Meaning that they went to the Gracie Academy HQ in Torrance and they walked through the door and be like, okay, guys, like, this ain't real. Let, let's test this shit. And if you think about it, Gracie challenges paved the way for the UFC because Hoyer and Gracie, who who was the main teacher there. Um, he's the one who started UFC in the very early days before Dana White bought it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like this was a thing. I remember uh, Hicks and Gracie and there was like this famous Japanese uh, professional wrestler that, you know, back in the day, professional wrestling was people really punched each other and kicked each other. Yeah. There was some like choreography, but not like today's pro wrestling back in the day in Japan, even in today's Japan wrestling, it's like pretty serious. Like people break, shit all the time blood everywhere all that and so he challenged hicks and gracie and it was famous because he came to hicks and gracie with a, a like a camera crew like a japanese camera crew this famous respected tough guy right and hicks and he challenged hicks and he's like you know your shit ain't real like you know shoot the box or or uh shoot boxing or whatever in japan this is the real shit what whatever your brazilian shit is that's not real and it's like, uh, it's like, all right. I was like, so they challenged each other, but the the, st- the stipulation was they're gonna go into a room by themselves, and whoever walks out wins the challenge. That was, the, the, and it sounds like out of a movie, and it's like real. Like, uh, the press just stayed outside the room. They like they were not loud in. Apparently, like there's footage of the inside. Like a brother, Hickson's brother or something, recorded it on low. That's apparently there's a tape out there available. Like it's one of those rumors. You know what I mean? Like I have oh, to go shit. searching the scouring the internet for it. Yeah, there's like rumors that there's out there, but apparently no one's ever seen it. But Hickson walks out like pristine. And then like the Japanese dude who's like a professional athlete, like walks out, like crawls out the room, like like messed up. And it's like, this was, the menta- this was the mentality back then, bro. Like this is, I can't imagine that happening today. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to fight, they'll set up an MMA fight or something. But like that happened that was very common back in the day. I'm talking like maybe that was like late nineties. I think that's around then. It's crazy how much things have changed in such a short amount of time though. When you think back, like how most longstanding traditions are, I mean, for it to change that quickly, that's, that's crazy. I, like there's a whole, there's a whole side of jujitsu that like, if you're starting now, like I am, you probably don't really know much about unless you bother to go and do the research and like actually look into it. Well, yeah, well, so I'll say well, what's funny is that that it, it mirrors the the actual like let's say the actual combat sport of jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the evolution of of the mentality behind it, the evolution 
of how the business of jujitsu is run. Uh, and then now the, the techniques that people are focusing on and, and, and what, like what you would consider high level jujitsu has changed. Right. Um, even if you look at it from team to team, uh, you know, you look at like a old Helio, uh, old Gracie Humaita or, or, or Torrance Academy, uh, like, you know, Helio based jujitsu, you know, you're going to look at a lot of self-defense guys, uh, a very different mentality versus like a, a Gracie Baja team, which is going to be more tech, uh, uh, technical when it comes to competition based. Uh, and then you look at like the old school Carlson Gracie team and the old school Carlson Gracie team is similar to the Henzo Gracie team where a majority of all the people were MMA fighters, you yeah. know, so uh it, it's the the evolution of how it's being taught who's who's wanting to do it and and how it's being portrayed is is very similar to how the the art itself is has evolved and changed you you bring up a good point like back in the day a lot of people that wanted to do jujitsu uh, jujitsu was a means to an end like they wanted to do mma like jujitsu was part of that like edsel's perfect like he he that was he, that's what he was thinking you know like for me i was like i want to fight better on the street so like i did jiu-jitsu there was it was like a means to an end so like back in the day like you know nowadays if i walk into a gym me personally i want the coach to be really nice like i want him to be no ego i want him to welcome me in like that's like a plus and i was like i'll go i'll go back but back in the day dude like when i walked in i wanted my coach to be mean as fuck like i wanted him to be like in. you know what i mean i wanted him to be like i remember doing a technique and then like I was doing the moves because this is for wrestling. Like, you know, you know, we do fireman's carries. Like, there are technical things to do in wrestling. And, like, go one, two, three, uh, careful about this. Don't step too far here, blah, blah. I was used to that. I go in jiu-jitsu, and then, like, the dude's, like, picking apart, like, oh, your elbows, like, it's too wide, bro. Like, put it near your rib. I'm like, okay, God. I was like, whoa, I'm impressed by that. But at the same time, like, he would slap the shit out of me or, like, he would, like, kick me or nudge me with his foot. He's like, bro, what the, why is your foot there? Like, why is your foot there? And he would, like, ridicule me. And I was like, I like that. I like that. Like, th this is what I need. It's like, it was like I mean, something bigger. Yeah, it was like something bigger. It's a quick bigger, way to learn. Yeah, bigger on the line, you know. But I don't want to, I don't, I'm sure people are not going to appreciate that shit nowadays because the, the mentality is different. You know, what people want from jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is the means to the end. You know what I mean? Like, progressing. Like, there is this. That's why I love jiu-jitsu now because it wasn't about fighting after some point. Like once I knew how to defend myself, that was like before I even got the blue belt. You know what I mean? Like what I really fell in love with jiu-jitsu was that progression is this unlimited thing that I, in pursuit of growing this game of mine, I become a better person. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. like that's what's really what I really love about jiu-jitsu nowadays. Like I wanted to ask you, Daniel, like think about, think about how it was back then. Think about how it was today. Like do you see – do, do, are you attracted to one or the other is there like is there something about the how it was back in the day that's attractive to you or is it more like damn i'm glad that we're, we're past that like what's your what's your take on all that uh i'm kind of split to be honest i um hey you know, honestly there's, me too. <laughs> there's a side of me that that's definitely sort of screaming out that's saying you know how are you going to measure yourself um in terms of you know, how you're progressing and, and, you know, where you stand in the community in general, if you're, if you're not going to go out and just like show no fear and go out and, and make those challenges. But at the same time, it's like, well, my experience thus far has just been nothing but positive Yeah. in feeling like there's a sense of 
community and family at the gym and, and, you know, like you guys both know, there's a whole group conversation going on that we've just all been staying in touch the whole group. Yeah. Um, and I just, to be sort of adopted into that, that family after just like two months of training, it just feels, you know, there, there's a, a deeper satisfaction to that, but don't get me wrong. There is that, that ego screaming out, like, you know, go and test your shit against other, well, white belts at this point. Yeah. I mean, like what's good about jiu-jitsu is like, you get plenty of that, you know, and it's just like, you know, mm. when it crosses that line, not a line, but like it crosses that outside of that sphere of like, Oh, this is real now. Like I might lose a tooth yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like, like those situations where like, um, like I, I'm, I can see why someone would want that. You know what I mean? It's tough though. You would have to find the right school, but like, I would say it's sort of dying, you know? And, um, you know, I, I had homies that like, you know, after each class, they would put gloves on, take the gi top off and just fucking fight. You know what I mean? Like, they were just like, that was great technique. Uh, uh, I still want to train. And he's like, all right, cool. Uh, do you want to fight? He's like, we got gloves. He's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's do it. And, yeah. and um, I can't tell you how many barbecue backyard fights I've been. Because at a certain point, you know, I, there was a time in my life where I moved and I didn't have a job. And I was going to, like, I took a loan to just live somewhere and, like, go to technical school or whatever. And I, I made money to eat by fighting dudes. And like it, I was a blue belt, still ton of ego during the day. I would talk shit to my homies. And during the night we would fuck or the weekends, we would fight it out and put money on the line. You know what I mean? And so like, um, I don't know if that's common nowadays, but I feel like it was common back in the day. Like half the people in the gym were like down to fight, you know, they were like looking for it. But what's good about today is you get plenty of that test that ego test that that skill test in sparring like that's what's great about sparring like my favorite part of jiu-jitsu is the spar um but being more technical and approaching it that way you realize that like you need the full class like you need the technique you need the sparring um if you want to do anything more than that figure it out like uh i don't want to see it you know what i mean but <laughs> the real answer is competition you know, there's more competition nowadays than ever before. And so, like, yeah. when we were blue belt, bro, like, there was a tournament, like, once every three months or something like that. Yeah. And I'm talking about in California, you know what I mean? Like, every weekend now. It's every weekend. Oh, my God. Oh, well, not right yeah. now, of course. Not right now, but normally. But even, you know? they have, like, professional events now and shit. Craig Jones and Vinny and stuff like that. It's like. When? Yeah. It's like all the, the, the blue belt and purple belt super fights. They got, yeah. like, professional blue belts now. It's like, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. That's cool, you know? There was, there was none of that stuff. There was a U.S. Open. That's all we had up here. That's true. The U.S. Yeah. Open. And then, and then Sergio uh, went and opened up the Jiu-Jitsu by the Bay. And that was it. We had, like, two tournaments in the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, like, once a quarter. Well, Can you get some? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, this has been a super enlightening conversation for me. Um, that's all I hoped. I hope, uh, you en enjoyed this conversation as well. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. I know Denny does too. 100%. Yeah. Like any um, other last minute thoughts here before we close out? Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just real quick, just to build a little bit on what Denny was talking about, about the difference between, uh, like skill building and testing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually got some insight from a, from a CrossFit gym owner a couple years ago. Uh, where he talked about how there's two approaches to CrossFit. 
And one of them is every day you're testing yourself. And then they have other gyms that work on skill building and strength, strength and conditioning. And they test themselves like ever so often, like periodically. It's not every day you're testing. He was like, you know, a lot of people are used to the older CrossFit idea where every day you're testing yourself, every day you're comparing yourself against your peers or whoever you're, you know, you're timing yourself against, right? Everybody has their, their markers and everybody would put their times or their reps or their weights up on the board or on the internet site, whatever it may be. And every day you're competing against your peers or your, your rival. Uh, and he said, the problem with that is that people don't stick around because you build really strong guys or girls, the people that can live through that, you know, environment are going to become strong really, really fast. But a lot of people who had the potential to become really strong ended up falling out because they got injured um, or they got burnt out. Uh, and so he felt that having the, the balance between skill building and testing yourself uh, was kind of up to the individual and up to the coach to identify what the right path for that, in, that athlete was. Um, and so I think like Denny was saying, like, if you need more, you kind of need to find that out on yourself, uh, on your own, you know, and uh, definitely, I think the idea of, I, you know, either choosing to compete or even fight MMA might be uh, what, the, you know, if you need that extra level, you need that, you know, one up, I think that might be the, the, the charge that you need, uh, or not necessarily you, but anybody. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's all I wanted to, to build on what Denny was talking about. Yeah. And I, that's a I great just want to, and, and I'll end it with like, um, this idea that I have, which is like, you know, it's so funny that CrossFit thing. Cause then I actually, uh, when I was coming up in jutsu, like white to brown, I was in one Academy and like, um, I did, couldn't afford classes. And so like, I, I was the guy like cleaning the toilet, being the front, front desk dude, like cleaning the mats, like um signing people up teaching classes closing up the gym stuff like that like I took on a lot of responsibilities and in that situation like I got close to my coach and he was trying to like expand the program to like kickboxing or whatever and the first class kickboxing was a lot of people and then it slowly just started to fizzle out and I asked him like what happened to that dude like I don't see the instructor here anymore and it's like oh he was training them too hard like if you train too hard like the best guys the, the guys with the most potential just won't make it through it so there's like, and so he was, he was sort of quick to see that, but in jiu-jitsu, it was like different. Like he, he saw that he approached it more like a business in that situation, which, uh, and with the good mindset, but when it came to jiu-jitsu, it was like, this is how I was taught. So this is how it is. You know what I mean? So it was an interesting lesson because, you know, uh, I, when I, me as a teacher, I, I ask other professors, like if it, I had, I, I know people that teach at a university level and I have people that went through like residency and like, there's hands-on training, classroom training, lab work, research, all this stuff. And I, I try to distill whatever lessons they have and like apply it to my jiu-jitsu class. And one of the things that I learned was uh, like, you know, early I was talking about how like, uh, if it's too hard, you're not going to make it. And I was like, that's amazing. And then, but what's interesting is like, depending on the college, like the professor of which college, like if it's, if it's uh, like some social studies or something versus computer engineering or something like that like electrical engineering there's weeder classes in electrical engineering but what's funny is like he was like this is how we're supposed to teach it we're supposed to like this is a really hard subject to get so like we weed them out make it really hard in the beginning people left standing are gonna finish it out and i was like okay i get that but like don't we need more engineers in the world like don't we need more lawyers in the world don't, like i mean maybe not lawyers but like 
respect lawyers, <laughs> but just like there's a need for technical skills. You know what I'm saying? And um, not tough dudes or like strong headed folks. We're talking about people that can like really think about things in a very creative and, and critical way. And like, why is there such thing as a weeder class? Like why wouldn't it be better if like you sort of progress them through the thing and increasing difficulty as they get more uh, like uh, bandwidth to understand what's going on versus weeding them out in the beginning. And I saw that in jujitsu in the very beginning, it was like all about weeder classes. Like you said, how crazy is it? If train him so hard, he doesn't want to come back tomorrow. And if he does come back tomorrow, we want that guy versus nowadays where it's like, let's accelerate their growth. And so more people do jitsu at the end of the day, you know, I, it was really fun to talk about how it was in the back in the day and the differences it is today with you, Daniel, because you know, you don't have that context. But yep. what's good about all this is that um, I honestly believe that jujitsu is in a better place now than it was back then, for sure. Like, there's more people doing it there. And that's because the, the way we teach and the way we like treat people are so different. And it's like, you don't you, just because they don't have that spark of being amazing on the first day doesn't mean that they don't have that spark. You know what I'm saying? So like, I at the end of the day, I really like the direction that we're going into with regarding like the culture of jiu-jitsu and the community of jiu-jitsu and then like i take pride in that like i'm i feel lucky that edsel sort of agrees with how i want to do it which is like focus on the student because when i came up it was focused on the coach and it's like this is why if you look if you go through jiu-jitsu on google anybody that's listening go right jiu-jitsu near me on google and you'll you'll see a bunch of names jiu-jitsu Something, something, jujitsu. Something, something, jujitsu. Marcelo, something, jujitsu. You know, Guler means whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Edward, you know, what I mean? you know? It, it was coach centric. But the reality is, like, the way we're heading is student centric. And this is why I don't have my name on my gym. Like, people ask me, like, why don't you make a Denny jujitsu? It was like, well, it wasn't, has nothing to do with me. Like, it, like, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the team. With no team, there is no jujitsu. So, um, I'm, it was fun going down, reminiscing a little bit, but I'm so glad that jujitsu and I could and we can be a part of that of growing and maturing jujitsu to the point where students are the focus. Because as long as the students are the focus, jujitsu it guarantees jujitsu success because the it, it it increases the chance of us really spreading this martial art. And you know, this podcast is part of that. You know what I mean? We don't we don't make people do a test to listen to what we're talking about. You feel me? And so like, I just, it just doesn't make sense. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about how it is today. And I'm just, you know, just being a part of that is really dope. You know what I mean? Amen to that. That's deep. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for uh, sharing your evening with me. I know we've, yeah. uh, we've sort of gone into dinner time here. So <laughs> I'll, uh, well, see, you were smart. I didn't do what? that. Yo, what's on the, what's on the, wait, you, you ate already as well? Yeah, I, I just ate a sandwich real quick before. Okay. I was like, what, oh, this, I was like, this is going to run into like eight o'clock. I was like, I'm going to eat before, before. What was, what was on the menu? what you eat? Oh, dude, I just ate a turkey and salami sandwich, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what's, Daniel, what's on the menu, dude? Well, I was going to do a rack of uh, baby back ribs, but it's too late to, uh, to start them now. Cool. How are you going to pivot? How are you going to pivot? <sighs> Probably some leftover Thai food. 
but I ordered Leftover Thai food. Okay. Okay. We'll I'm see. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. You know, last time you talked about kimchi fried rice, I'm gonna try that today. Oh man. I don't think I've ever made kimchi fried rice. Like I've used. I mean, I'm my parents Korean. I've eaten a lot of that shit, but I've never. I'll have made to get myself, my wife so. to send you the recipe that she came <laughs> up with. It is Ooh. fucking bomb. So That's good. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. We'll cool. talk Thank soon. you, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any subject requests or just want to chat, feel free to reach out to Denny or I via DM through the Instagram handle at FromTheDojoPodcast or via email at Daniel at FromTheDojo.com or Denny, that's D-E-N-N-E-Y, at FromTheDojo.com. Looking forward to hearing from you.